When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm David. I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon, and you should too. Don't you want to keep this great content coming? So you know what to do. Go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon and just do it. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And of course, Moe's here. Hey, everybody. Since first being published in the 19th century, Dickens' A Christmas Carol has been dramatized and adapted hundreds of times. In this backtrack, we'll be highlighting some of the most notable versions of this timeless Christmas classic from our Gen X youth. Before we get into that festive topic, though, it is time for some fourth listener email email and uh, since this is a Christmas themed backtrack releasing right around Christmas time I thought uh, appropriate to pick up another fourth listener email about a Christmas movie <laughs> this is from David S and he writes in 8-bit Christmas as a subject line uh, <laughs> okay the thing I still haven't watched I haven't watched it <laughs> yeah either. right oh, have you not not yet really <laughs> still haven't yeah you're missing out uh, Christmas Eve I've got some days before Christmas back yeah off. me too you're, okay <laughs> right well you have you have to watch Frosty and you have to watch Rudolph you got to pack it in with all the others now so yeah <laughs> Well, plus I've got like eight episodes of The Office that have Christmas themes that I have to watch too. Ah, then we have to do that Jefferson. Then we've got to we've got to run through WKRP, all the other right now. <laughs> anyway, here's what David has to say. He says. I watched 8-Bit Christmas on HBO Max with my entire family last night, and we loved it. Yeah. It's targeted at Gen Xers on the younger end, but it's close enough. Okay. He says it's almost a full-length Nintendo promotion, but the crappiness <laughs> of the power glove <laughs> created the main crisis in the movie. So that showed some artistic independence. Spoilers! What? You thought there'd be a Nintendo movie without the power glove? Get real. I didn't you know it was a Nintendo <laughs> movie. You see the trailer? <laughs> I just knew it was called 8-Bit Christmas. <laughs> okay. In the opening frames, you'll know it's a Nintendo movie so watch okay that. yeah <laughs> i don't know if that was product placement or what but they don't just talk about how great nintendo is it's more about the, the quest for nintendo but it definitely dig into that but they dog on the power glove pretty hard too so that's fine uh david goes on to say uh the movie feels like a mashup of a christmas story the goonies shut up you two don't no, no <laughs> about goonies, I know. and yeah, there they are was, and, was, you just beat me to it okay and and retro gaming <laughs> they really nailed the 80s vibe and it even tugged on the heartstrings without getting cheesy oh cool yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. The great thing about this movie, and probably the last time we'll talk about it for another year, is that all the things you think are going to happen at the end don't. They do it differently, like this predictable, predictable, and they don't give you the predictable ending, which I really appreciated. Yeah, and it made okay. it all the better. Oh, okay. So David wraps up saying, anyway, I think it's a new holiday classic, at least for Gen Xers. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You might be right. Time will tell. Keep up the great work and happy holidays, David. Very cool. 
Thanks, David. Well, I'm definitely going to watch it now. Oh, for sure. I mean, everybody yeah. I've talked to sometime before, between now and Christmas. Yes. Which Christmas, though, George? We know you have all I the office to watch. Didn't say. So. <laughs> <laughs> didn't say. Leaving that option open, huh? <laughs> Thanks so much, David, for writing in. We love it every time the fourth listener takes time to write in. If you'd like your email featured here on the show, it's so easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one, and most of them, just like David's, make the show. All right. No bah humbugs here. We are getting in to the meat of this Christmas carol backtrack right after the break. Stick around. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on CannedAirPodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Damn you, Merry Christmas. You will be haunted by three spirits. I am the ghost of Christmas presents. Show me no more. Why, you delight in torturing me. Will Tiny Tim live? Patrick Stewart and Hallmark Entertainment bring you the most spectacular telling of A Christmas Carol. Can you forgive a stupid old man? Reawaken the spirit of Christmas. A Christmas Carol. Look for it on video cassette and DVD. God bless us, everyone. We are talking in this backtrack all about adaptations of the classic Charles Dickens story, A Christmas Carol. Before we get into the adaptations of it, though, I thought real briefly, just in case you live under a rock and don't know, (laughs) A Christmas Carol (laughs) was... So I learned, the one thing I did learn here is that it's not called A Christmas Carol. It was originally called A Christmas Carol in prose being a ghost story of Christmas. Yeah, I think that's a bit long. Yeah, That sounds longer than the whole story. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm glad it's called A Christmas Carol. Yeah, like A Christmas Carol. (laughs) Yep. It was a novella written by Charles Dickens, published in 1843, mm-hmm. all the way back in the 19th century. The uh, general synopsis is it recounts the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, an elderly mm-hmm. miser who is visited by the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. After their visit, Scrooge is a transformed into a kinder, gentler man. And that's just a long way to say that Scrooge is a grade A asshole about Christmas, and it takes <laughs> supernatural <laughs> monsters to convince him otherwise. I think, is that fair? It's a redemption story. It's yeah, redemption. It is. It is. It reminds me a lot, after watching all these, preparing for the show, reminds me a lot of that Jefferson's episode we alluded to and we talked about last year about a grump who actually turns out to have a heart in the end. Mm -hmm. Well, that's probably where 90% of those stories got their inspiration from. You know, Mm -hmm. Christmas is... You know, it's either going to be about two things, the birth of Christ or some kind of redemption thing or some kid getting presents that maybe he didn't really deserve. <laughs> that's your basic three Christmas stories. Yeah. I think that that's pretty much fits all the categories, right? Yeah. Yep. The one thing I always had against this thing is always like, it seems like you could be an asshole for like 50 years and then be nice the last five and that's all they care about. Hmm. I mean, who cares about the people making the change in the afterlife? Well, the or? people like, oh, Scrooge is a great man. Oh. We're all going to his funeral. I'm like, he was, he basically tortured this poor guy for decades and like, oh, now he's nice. We'll be nice to him. I'm like, eh, I don't know if the real world works that way, but okay. It's pretty much, yeah, it does. That's pretty much the news cycle right it now. It does. Yeah. You've, you've got to be able to redeem yourself. Otherwise, why would you ever get better? You've got to respect people that change. I think that's okay. Well, what about the person 
course, it's been nice the entire time. People have incredibly short-term memories. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway. Apparently, the people in this story do. But that's okay yeah, for that's them. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, the first one we're going to talk about is not the most Gen X of them all, but it's one we wanted to highlight. And it's also the most straight adaptation. Mm. And this is the 1999 film called A Christmas Carol. But aside from the fact that it's a straight adaptation, one of the reasons we picked it is because it stars Patrick Stewart in the lead role of Ebenezer <laughs> Scrooge, our Star Trek captain of fame. Well, and I think the reason why we consider this a loosely tied Gen X story is because Patrick Stewart first did a one-man play of A Christmas Carol back in 88. Mm -hmm. So that puts it more in the Gen X realm than maybe a 1999 movie. Now, this movie is a full cast, full production movie. It's not the yeah. one-man play, which is what I really wanted to watch and still have never gotten to see. John, I don't know. Did you ever get to go see Because you're kind of a theater geek guy. I, I am, but I never got to go see that. Mm. He continued to perform it throughout the 2000s, yeah. and I think he performed yeah. it for like 9-11 victims' families. Yeah, and like 2005, he did it again. He does like 40 characters in that. But it, was, it, it got so many accolades that they said, hey, why don't you just do this for our TV movie? It wasn't even a theatrical release. This was on right. TV. TNT. Yeah. Yeah. For a TNT movie, it's damn good, actually. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a high quality production for sure. Yeah, they, they definitely spent money on it. I'm kind of torn between high quality production and it's damn good. I'm not <laughs> sure I agree with the second part. <laughs> Hmm, okay. Not Maybe really? not damn okay. good. All right. Well, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 72%, which is not too shabby. That's not awful. It's right on the border. And, and I would probably agree with that. Maybe a little lower, but it, compared to the other ones we're going to look at later in the show, again, this is such a vanilla, straight-laced, by-the-book version of A Christmas Carol. Yeah, it is. In many ways, not a lot jumps out, but also there's not much to dislike if you like the Christmas Carol story in the first place. Yeah. As we're going to talk, we've, we've got four that we're going to talk about specifically mm -hmm. in this broadcast, although there are hundreds, maybe even a thousand or more adaptations of this original story in different formats. But I can only really think that two of the actors stood out to me at all. Patrick Stewart, obviously, because he's Patrick Stewart and he's going to act the shit out of almost anything he does. But even he felt a bit, I don't know, stifled in this role. Hmm. But he and Bob Cratchit, the actor who played Bob Cratchit, they were mm -hmm. really the only two that I cared about at all in this adaptation. I didn't, the ghosts weren't anything big to me. The The Marley character was, I just didn't really care about any of them. Yeah, it wasn't an all-star cast, to be sure. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Stewart was like definitely pretty much it as far as like big names in it. I mean, there were a couple other people that were like B-level kind of stuff. But I don't know. I mean, I liked it. And I think mostly because one, it, like you said earlier, John, it's like it's the most true to the original story. So it had mm -hmm. a lot of scenes that I think the other stories kind of cut out because they maybe were a little too dark or too, too heavy. Yeah. Or for time constraints or any number time of constraints. Reasons, or, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think the one that you actually see like Tiny Tim, his dead body, like the dad crying over it, mm -hmm. you know, which was pretty heavy. That was in none of the other adaptations I've ever seen. I've never sure. seen that one before. It's always, <laughs> always used the crutch by the fireplace, right? And that's it. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. Crutch and cap and chair. That's it. Yep. That's it. So yep. I just thought it was a pretty good adaptation. But, you know, there's one part of this, though, that confused me. And I don't know okay. if you guys caught this or not. Okay. When Marley visits him, and he's describing the three ghosts coming to visit, right? Yeah. He makes it sound like they're going to come over three different nights. He does. I did notice mm -hmm. that. And the last one, he says, and the third one will appear at midnight. I'm like, wait a minute, but the other one showed at one. So I was very <laughs> confused by that. So I'm not the only one. No, no. And I've, <laughs> I've always understood Christmas Carol to be that all of these events take place Christmas Eve, 
That's what I thought. And yeah, that's what I thought. Then Christmas yeah. Day, he wakes up, go get mm-hmm, me a turkey mm-hmm. kid, and let me take it over to Bob <laughs> or Cratchit. Or adaptation. <laughs> so I, I don't understand. I've never read the original novella. I will say that the one thing this TV adaptation film made me want to do is go read the novella yeah. because mm-hmm. I wanted to find out now a little bit more just what's really in the story and what isn't and what's been adapted and changed. It did give me that interest. Uh, other than that, I didn't get much out of this movie. Okay. I thought the Marley ghost was super creepy. Oh, with <laughs> the jaw that's hanging off. I mean, that with was, the that was, it was like, weird. Just, that was a little just, weird. Yeah. It was, yeah, weird. it was weird. Yeah. But George, you mentioned something in watching this one. This is the last one I watched in preparation for the show. And seeing this one, as I was seeing beats, you talked about kid, go get me a turkey and, mm-hmm. and like lines like, you know, boil him in his own pudding and a clove right. of a steak of holly through his heart. All those things. It's funny how in all of these, they've almost used verbatim the dialogue, every single one of these. Now they add in songs, or they add in other chit chat, but they're not just taking story beats. I was seeing the exact same lines of dialogue used over and over and over because they're so iconic. Not just God bless us, everyone from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the same yeah. exact lines used, whether it's cartoons or puppets or Jim Patrick Stewart or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's rewriting it because Charles Dickens just did it right in the first place. I guess. Yeah, I think it's they're just picking and choosing which ones to include in their particular mm-hmm. adaptation because some of them, yeah. like you said, will have this and some of them will have that. I think the only common line throughout all of them is the "God blesses everyone" line. Yep, that one's reliable. But it's also slightly varied a little bit yeah. in some of the adaptations. I mean, it's "God blesses everyone" and then sometimes it's "God bless us all." And mm-hmm. yeah, so I've seen different versions, but it's kind of the same gist every time yeah i think you're right it's dickens did it really well why spend a whole bunch of time rewording stuff (laughs) spend your Mm -hmm. time on the other production value stuff that you want to do the one thing i saw that also i thought was very interesting which i've never seen in any adaptation it was the ghost of christmas present that he gets older during the time and at the end like before he leaves he's actually like really old and he has those kids living under his robes who are doom and want ostensibly like i'd never realized until i saw this one that he's only supposed to live for one day just christmas day lives for the day of christmas because he's only in the present right yeah they did that in a couple of these other ones we're going to talk about that he grew did up they, old? i don't remember yes. that. didn't call attention to it. i didn't notice it maybe they didn't, I didn't talk notice about it either it was yeah. shorter john but, yeah. they very yeah. much paid attention to it in your favorite style of adaptation the one that we're going did to talk they? about okay later. yes okay. Right. okay i missed I it missed i just it. rewatched it <laughs> cool <laughs> This thing got a primetime Emmy nomination. And again, I think for the time, for the late 90s, it was pretty high caliber for oh, yeah, a television sure. movie. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's understandable. You know, and all of it was fine. It was, again, I said a little bit vanilla. I liked it okay. But the thing that bothered me, and that maybe the most uncomfortable for the <laughs> Shakespearean actor that Patrick Stewart is, there's supposed to be this transformation where after the ghosts are done, he learns again how to laugh. He's like, it's uncomfortable in his chest. And he's going, ha, 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 like he can't figure out how to laugh. And I'm just wincing for him. I'm like, that is so weird and so awkward. And he looks so surprised doing it. Like, ha, 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 I'm laughing again. I'm like, just dial it back. We get yeah. it. We get what you're trying to go for. Yeah, I thought he did a better job in Moe's favorite Dune adaptation than he did in this. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Maybe he was upset that a bunch of other actors stole his one man show down but from him. A lot of respect for the guy. Though. He couldn't do all the parts. He had to do just now, his one. That brings yeah. up a great point, though. Had they just filmed his one man adaptation, I think mm-hmm. it would still be being talked about today. If that had got aired on TV, I'd agree. Yep. That would have been a hundred yep. times better than what they presented us with, and they would have saved a crap ton of money doing it. <laughs> People are still talking about it. I mean, look what just happened with Hamilton. Just take a stage production and yeah. record it professionally. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that would have been awesome. I, I don't know if they ever 
release that as a video. I have the audio recording of it, but I mean, that's what got his foot in the door to record this one in the first place, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's a serviceable version and it's a good baseline, I think, to to leap off to talk about the other three that we have lined up. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Oh, what a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Just another excuse for being lazy. Merry Christmas. And a bah humbug to Christmas is a time for giving, a time to be with one's family. Oh my, look at all the wonderful things to eat. So let's talk about a real Gen X version, which okay. is actually, I really liked it, which was a Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. Yep. Came out in 1983, animated. I really enjoyed it. When I was watching it again, I just smiled throughout this whole thing. I don't know why. It's just, there's a certain charm it has to it. I think it's still, to this day, still has. It's a much lighter version of the oh, story. Yeah. It is. For sure. Yeah. It's only 26 minutes long. Which made mm-hmm. it easy to watch. <laughs> but they, it was easy to watch. I thought they successfully packed the, the absolutely all of the the major points of the story into that time. It didn't feel that rushed to me. No, now, knowing the story, you can say, well, they could have, you know, they could have expanded here and here and here, but they they packed it together well and it didn't feel rushed and it delivered the, on the entire story. And I thought they did a great job. Well, Rotten Tomatoes, 100% with the critics. Wow. wow. 90% with the audience. Not wow. surprising. That's high too. Holy cow. That's great. Yeah. I, I think that for me, this was the most successful translation of the storyline to a modern audience in including young and old. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of the other ones did as good a job of getting Mm. the novella across to both groups at the same time. And Hmm. I think this one did it in a, I don't know, a more enjoyable fashion. Yeah. I I think I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that. Now, (laughs) I liked one of the other ones a lot better, but Mm -hmm. I think they did a really great job of condensing it down. Hmm. Why do you disagree, Mo? What are you thinking? No, I'm just saying like the next one we're going to talk about, I think also did a pretty good job with that as well for hitting two levels of audiences, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. I think this one was better than the one we're going to talk about next. That's probably Mm. why I think Mm. that. Okay. So interestingly enough, this version, the Mickey's Christmas Carol, is an animated interpretation of another adaptation of A Christmas Carol, because first, in 1974, they put out a Disneyland long-playing record called A Christmas Carol by the Disneyland players, and it was Ah. characters, and that marked the first time that we heard that actor portraying Scrooge McDuck with Ah. that now signature Scottish accent, associated with the cartoons and everything going forward. That was the beginning of him. Uh, And of course, who else are you going to have play Scrooge but Scrooge McDuck? (laughs) playing Ebenezer Scrooge, (laughs) who else would you pick? Anyone else would be a total oversight. 
You know, I was, I actually had thought that Scrooge McDuck was created from, from this show. Like I thought he originally oh, really? came from oh. this. And I didn't realize that he was created back in 1947 for a comic well, strip. He was created based on the character. Absolutely. Right. right. But, but not right. for but, this show. Yeah, right. Not for this mm-hmm. show. I thought he started with this show, to be quite honest. And that when I re- yeah. did the research, I was like, holy crap, he's been, I'm like, okay, well, that was an easy fit. Because <laughs> so. I remember him early on from Disney cartoons and stuff before sure. this yep. came out. So mm-hmm. I had seen him a long time. And when rewatching this Christmas, Christmas Carol before you know the credits even start you're like okay I know who's going to be Scrooge and yeah. who's going to be Bob Cratchit yeah you, you kind of knew like immediately okay Jiminy Cricket has to be one of the ghosts yeah right of course well one of the most fun things in this Mickey's Christmas Carol is who they pick to play the characters yeah. that you know because mm-hmm. they're taking existing mm-hmm. animated characters and plugging them in you said uh, Jiminy Cricket absolutely had to be I loved it was loaded with Mr. Toad characters yeah a yeah. little known Disney franchise Remember Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? Oh, yeah. Now, Which is now gone. It was I one think, of my right? favorite rides at Disney too. World. It's now gone. But I saw them throughout this. Toad himself was Fezziwig. Mm-hmm. The Ratty and Moly characters were the guys that came yeah. around collecting uh, the beginning, collecting for the poor. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe they were in there. I'm like, perfect. Of course you got to have those guys in there. Didn't they have the weasels, too, or like digging up his grave or something? The weasels were the grave diggers. Yeah. Yeah, they're right. Yep. The weasels <laughs> in there. Yep. And I was going to bring up, we talked earlier that uh, the only thing we know about uh, Tiny Tim's death scene usually is chair cap and crutch but mm-hmm. in this case we did actually have yep. a nice little scene kind of a tearjerker where mickey and his family are standing over tiny tim's grave oh in that's that right graveyard. we did it's true and yeah the, we did the mrs mickey she herds the other children off and mickey is still standing there with the cane in his hand that's a oh, good yeah. little tearjerker for a cartoon oh, time. oh yeah for sure and the thing that really is interesting to me is that you mentioned this one is really good george for both uh, adults and for kids mm-hmm. and that is unlike the actual actual novella and of course the straight lace adaptation we talked about from 99 this is loaded with disney ha-has little funny moments sure. that are they feel a little out of place at a christmas carol but they feel perfectly in place with these disney characters so yeah. it doesn't feel that jarring even though it's a bit off tone specifically like one that jumped out at me was goofy who plays marley uh, <laughs> yeah. the ghost of marley right yeah. He's dumb, just like Goofy. So they, right. they mapped a dumbness. There's, the Marley character is not a dope, right? But Goofy's playing it, and he's like, oh, I'm doomed here for eternity, maybe longer. Right. You know, it's, just, it's so dopey, and you get little giggles, but you're like, okay, he's still a ghost. He's still telling the story. It didn't break anything, No, but they did add little Disney smiles in there that was a nice touch to keep it light. I think his doorknob morph was my favorite of all the doorknobs. What did it do? Remind me. Because he comes, he morphs into Goofy's face. And then Scrooge oh, right. oh, squeezes yeah. his nose. He's like, nose. ouch. And, yeah. <laughs> That's right. and I can see me as a little kid just cracking up when Goofy gets his nose squeezed. And then later on in the scene, he's like kind of touching his nose, like, is that okay? Did it, yeah. did it break my nose? Oh, right. Yep. Yep. I think this, it was Christmas Carol, but it still felt very much like a Disney cartoon. Yeah. It of did. They, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like they definitely kept it. Like you watch, like you knew you were watching, I mean, even outside the characters, it just felt just very much like a Disney cartoon. Yeah. I know this is. Is a favorite of a lot of people and I probably they do a lot of animation of A Christmas Carol it's easy oh, to yeah. adapt I mean Rankin Bass did one they did Mr. Magoo did one yeah I remember, I remember Jim Backus from uh, Gilligan's Island Bugs Bunny had one where Yosemite <laughs> Sam was Scrooge uh, yeah. the Flintstones had a Christmas Carol special everybody <laughs> did it but those all felt even though they were mapping 
the characters onto a Christmas Carol. Unlike those, this one doesn't feel forced. I mean, I right. think it starts with the fact you have a Scrooge character in the universe already. Scrooge McDuck makes yeah. it easy. But just for whatever reason, the others, they just felt like an episode of Bugs Bunny or an episode of Mr. Magoo with a Christmas Carol story. This felt like an original story, even though it was just a little, you know, 30 minute yeah. special. The other ones felt like, uh, hey, we need a Christmas one you know, for Bugs Bunny. What do we do? Oh, yeah, let's do a Christmas, Christmas episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't write anything original. Just grab a yeah, Christmas Carol off the shelf yeah. and let's add, adapt it. <laughs> Which one of the three type of Christmas movies are we going to do this week? That's right. The yeah, three you just exactly. said. It's going to yeah. be the redemption. Is it going to be the gift? Is it gonna, right. Exactly. Just lay it out. <laughs> Christmas Carol. All right. We get back. We're getting into my favorite adaptation of a Christmas Carol. So <laughs> stick around. Wonder why. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Ah, humbug. He was the greediest man alive. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Mr. Scrooge, even though he is odious, stingy, and badly dressed. Humbug. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? If they gave a prize for being me, the winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Crouch. I had promised we were going to get next into my favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol. And you know me, it has to be one that features Muppets. <laughs> we're talking the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. Any excuse to talk about puppets on the show? It's Muppets or Bigfoot, and I don't know that they've done a Bigfoot There's Christmas no, Carol yet. Oh, oh they hey, should, They oh. totally should. <laughs> Let's get Netflix to green like that right away. <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> so this was released in 1992. The Muppet characters tell their version mm-hmm. of the classic tale of an old and bitter miser's redemption on Christmas Eve. Muppets were cast in all of the primary roles in this special, except Mm -hmm. the primary role of Ebenezer Scrooge, for which they got Michael Caine as Scrooge. That's amazing. It's something. (laughs) No, I see. I'm with you, John. This is my favorite. Or is is it? One of my favorites. in my top list for sure. Well, that's good because we've only got four to choose from. Well, yeah. But even across (laughs) all the other ones, because I just love the fact that when Michael Caine was in it, he played it straight. Like he didn't play it like he was in the cast with Muppets. I didn't think. I think he played it like he would play any role. You're right. And that's my only real problem with this. I wish Michael Caine was not in this. Oh, really? Because I read as I was researching mm-hmm. here, I'm like, I observed when watching, is Michael Caine in the same movie as the Muppets? Like it seems so odd and detached. And they said when he agreed to play it, he said, I'm going to play this straight as if I am in a Shakespearean production of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> Whatever the Muppets want to do around me is fine. But <laughs> Even he didn't stick to that. So he just felt so dry and so serious when the Muppets are having a good time around him. It felt a little disconnected to me. So we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, Mo, Mm -hmm. John and I were. My take on Michael Caine is 
yes, he tried to play it straight laced, but there were multiple times where either the director wanted him to, or he chose himself to fall out of that Shakespeare straight laced role and do some definitely goofy Muppet type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's this one scene where they're doing the song because this is, you know, a musical. It's Mm -hmm. the only of the four that is a musical and Mm -hmm. he's dancing with the lead singer. Like they're both kind of dancing back and forth. La, 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 la. And I'm like, that's not Shakespeare, dude. How are you going to give me an hour 15 of Shakespeare? And then 15 of I'm goofy on a Muppet set. I, I didn't feel like he delivered his role nearly as well as Patrick Stewart did. And I'm not saying Patrick Stewart did a tremendous outstanding job just because he's Patrick But he was Stewart. consistent at least. But he was consistent. Right? And I don't think Michael yeah. Caine was. Now I mentioned about the musical part, the Muppet song Scrooge. That's one of the first songs Mm -hmm. in the film Mm -hmm. as soon as that started that's when it brought back the flood of memories for me of watching this (laughs) when i was younger i remembered the cadence of the song i remembered some of the lyrics I really didn't remember any of the scene until I'm starting to watch them, but that song really drove it home. And I'm like, oh crap, that's right. This is a musical. And I think they were mm-hmm. clever doing well, all Muppet movies are. Most of them, yeah. Yeah, 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 of I course. They were clever doing it that way. Well, I mean, so this one is also pretty well regarded. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes critics give it 76. Audience gives it 86. That's pretty uh, appropriately enough. I, I'm in the audience that would give it 90 something, but that's okay. <laughs> Interestingly, this is the first major Muppet production after Jim Henson's untimely yeah. death. Mm. Yeah, in the early nineties. They start the whole. They start the movie with dedicated. Yeah. They do yeah. a dedication instead right. of being at the end, like a lot of yeah. movies mm-hmm. or TV shows. It was right up front. This was Steve Whitmire. He stepped into the role of Kermit, both the puppeteering and the voice, for the first time in this. I thought he did a wonderful job. He did an admirable job. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, in the spirit, like the other one we were talking about with Mickey. Some of the most fun they have is who they cast of the existing Muppet characters into the other roles, mm-hmm. and I thought not only as a character, as a fun-loving character of Fezziwig, oh my God, casting Fozzie as Fozziwig <laughs> for that role? So it's perfect casting, but it's also the name matches and they renamed him Fozziwig. I thought that was hilarious. And the other adaptation I thought was really clever was they changed his partner Marley into Brothers Marley and right. reused Statler and Waldorf. Oh my God, that was the, the so critics funny. from the balcony as yeah. the, the initial ghosts who come to tell them the other ghosts are coming. And I thought that was a great idea. Like you start, who are the best kind of like grumpy old guys you could get? Statler and Waldorf. But that was a great, <laughs> yeah, great there There's something else yep. this adaptation has that none of the other three have: mm. an in-scene reliable narrator. Gonzo is Dickens with yeah. Rat the Rizzo That's as his right. assistant. I did like that. Yes. That's, you don't uh, yeah. have that in any of the other adaptations. You have mm-hmm. a voiceover at the end of the Patrick Stewart one done by Fred, the, right, right. You know, the nephew. Right. Yeah, he was yeah. as good as his word and better or whatever. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they even call attention to the fact that when Michael Caine is going to deal with the ghost of Christmas yet to come or whatever they call him, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. two narrators say, this is too scary for us, kids. We're stepping away. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in the finale. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I thought that was another clever little device that nobody else used in any of the other ones that we reviewed for this podcast. And I 100% I, agree. Yep. I don't know how you get a better one than Gonzo. He's perfect. And Rizzo the rat was great yep. as his sidekick. And they oh, even use them in the scene. There's segments where they get knocked around by other characters. So they're not mm-hmm. yeah, like right. just they're part they're of not the detached thing. from the world. Right. Yeah. They're, they're above it kind of, but they're they still can't in it. Phase yeah. through doors. You know, the door gets closed on them. Like crap, we got to watch it from outside. Right. They have to clean the glass to see through it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I want to say about the music is that 
I didn't realize until recently that Paul Williams did the music for this thing. Hmm. And for you younger folks out there who don't know who he is, I mean, he <laughs> has a huge slew of credits like in pop music back in the 70s, 60, well, 60s and 70s, I would guess, right? Probably more so. Mm-hmm. You know, he did songs for the Carpenters and for Barbara Streisand. I mean, he has a, a very good pedigree for doing music. You're not endearing our audience to <laughs> to this guy by calling those people out very much. Calling who out? Well, no. Carpenters have really, really just begun. That was by him? I'm <laughs> talking about the younger kids. You were saying you younger kids oh, don't oh, the know. Kids. There's no oh. way they're, that's going to help them any to get to know you this whipper person snappers. Oh, If they don't know who Barbara Streisand or the Carpenters are, then they can go to hell. Wow. <laughs> because well, there wow, a generation. Are. All right. That's like me not knowing who Fred Astaire is just because I didn't grow up with him. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, you can go to hell if you don't know who Fred Astaire is. <laughs> That's Sorry, right. youngsters. Mo would like you to go to hell. <laughs> That's right. Because if you don't know, you should You should know who the, at least those two are. Well, there was one other one that I want to call out in this movie. John, this is a Muppets film, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. So we've got Absolutely. Kermit the Frog. we got Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. We've got Fozzie Bears, you said. But they didn't just use Muppet puppets. No, Sprocket absolutely not. from Fraggle Rock is in this movie. I love oh, Sprocket. I love Sprocket. Wait, he was in the background. He didn't have a major role, but he was there, right? He mm-hmm. was there. Like So the very yep. first time, it's one of the opening credit scenes, and he pops out of a little window, Batman style. Yes. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. later on, during yep. one of the sing-alongs, he's dancing around with the other characters and apparently singing. I didn't know Sprocket could sing. I thought all he could say was wolf, but he <laughs> could do that. Yeah, apparently he can. <laughs> I loved that they used other characters from yeah. other Muppety yeah. devices. The whole Jim Henson world, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the ghosts, I noticed. The ghost of Christmas present was one of those full body Muppets. And for all mm-hmm. the world, he looked like a repurposed Gorg from Fraggle Rock. Also, yeah. <laughs> along with Sprocket, right? And the ghost of Christmas past, who's always kind of like a fairy, was like that kind of white puppet looked mm-hmm. a lot like a, like a dark crystal style Muppet in it many did, ways. Yeah. A you know? bit, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like all the other Muppets. So they used a variety of things from the workshop to satisfy what otherwise in the Muppet world would be weird looking characters. Well, these are ghosts and spirits. Why not yeah. use these odd out of world Muppets? I thought that was a great use of that. Oh, absolutely. Now I got to call something out from an earlier segment. Okay. okay. So Mo was talking about that the one Christmas present was the first one he noticed that grew old. Yeah. Yeah. The puppet that you just mentioned, do you guys not remember Michael Caine and him walking over to the bench and Michael Caine says, you've gotten older. And then they did the little stardust fade where he disappeared. Oh, I, I guess I, I just, I, I, I wasn't paying close enough attention. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess yeah. I glossed over that one. He oh, did I this whole you. thing where he <laughs> faded out of the screen and like they did ah, this okay. like really cheap. Uh, this is from 92, but just really cheap effect where it was like somebody had videotaped sparkles and then superimposed it over mm-hmm. top of him fading out. Right. I gotcha. thought it was a cute, clever way because he did that line again you know about come to know me better or whatever it was he kept saying over and over again right yeah but it also gave a reference to the fact he said there were eleven thousand brothers of his previously or something like that or in the past right thousands that's of, in reference yeah. to them living for one day only one day one day oh, piece, okay. right mm-hmm. oh cool makes sense you mentioned before how the mickey one had like appeal to kids and adults mm-hmm. i yeah. totally think this one did as well there were so many jokes that you talk like at the beginning when there's fozzy they're selling the apples and the rats eating all the apples and his joke is, well, I'm creating scarcity. What kid's going to get that <laughs> joke? <laughs> you know, and there were so many of those, like some things definitely geared toward adults, some toward kids that I think this one also, I think totally hit it with two levels of humor for both ages. You know, I would tend to agree with you, Mo, but I think they're, to George's point, they're two different kinds of mass appeal. For Disney, it was just widely accessible as a mm. lighthearted adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Yes. Whereas 
What I like about the Muppet Christmas Carol is what you describe is that it's almost that wink and nod to the adults that the kids won't get kind of thing. They're playing the two audiences separately, where I think the Mickey's Christmas Carol played well in the middle to both audiences with the same material mm-hmm. right down the center. So it's a different way of reaching those two audiences and depends on okay. your preference, maybe which one you like. Both accessible. I think to the joke that you mentioned, Mo is a good example of why I don't think necessarily each individual joke played to both parties. That joke was clearly intended for an adult, a more adult audience. Like yeah, you said, absolutely. kids aren't going to get scarcity. Yep. <laughs> but if you think about a movie like The Princess Bride, there are lines in that movie that work on both levels. For instance, the I'm going to do him left-handed so I, or otherwise I can't be satisfied. Right. That has yep. a whole different meaning to the kids in that scene <laughs> than it does to the adults in that scene. And I think, Ooh, I never thought of that line like that. So you just said it. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't either. What? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you filthy Ew. son of a bee. I'm not a yeah. filthy. They wrote it. How am I the one that's filthy? Oh, yeah. And I don't disagree with you, George. I just don't think that this makes this a lesser film because they did a different approach to it. No, I don't think it makes it a lesser film. I think Michael Caine makes this a lesser film. Oh, okay. Mm. Just thought it was funny because I think they just did a good mix of back and forth. The, the adult jokes were kind of just thrown in there. So I don't think they disrupted. I remember as a kid, I loved this one too. You know, I mean, I was, yeah. as a kid, yeah. I was a teenager, but I remember watching this the first time and I enjoyed it too. And I just think they said it's two different approaches. Like, John said. Yeah, I think this, we've got four of them here. This one Mm -hmm. falls number three for me, but it's extremely close to number two. Number four is the Patrick Stewart one. That's my least favorite of the four that we've chosen. But I think this one in the Christmas Carol from Mickey, I think they're really, really close. I think why I like the Christmas Carol from Mickey a little bit more was it was simply a little bit smaller. And I felt like the Scrooge from Mickey was more effective than the Scrooge from the Muppets. I'll agree with you there. Yep. Scrooge McDuck was a better Scrooge across the board. Of course, they did create him like directly to be Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why it fits so well. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We have gone through three that we're highlighting. We have one more coming up. Stick around because the next one we're going to talk about is probably the most Gen X of the Gen X adaptations we have talked about so far. You don't want to miss that one. We'll be right back after this quick break. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. If you're a die-hard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. I got into broadcasting because I like to give. That's my cab! Sometimes I find myself hurting from giving too much. Fire these people! It's Christmas! Bahama. You are going to be visited by three ghosts. Expect the first one tomorrow at noon. God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. John got to talk about his favorite. Mo got to talk about his favorite. Now I get to talk about the best 
of the four adaptations <laughs> that we're talking about, regardless of it being my favorite. At least you're not opinionated. <laughs> that is 1988's Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. This was by far my favorite Scrooged adaptation. This is the one that I can go back and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch multiple times, mm-hmm. yeah. far more than any of those. As much as I enjoyed Mickey's Christmas Carol, and I did enjoy the Muppet story. I don't know how many times I'm going to go back and rewatch them. The Mickey one a little bit more maybe because it's shorter. But if somebody tells me, hey, let's watch a Scrooge Christmas story, this is the one I'm pulling out of the closet every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It oh, to me is by far the funniest and it still has segments that bring tears to my eyes. None of the other ones mm-hmm. did that oh, yeah. for me. Oh, yeah. That's true. Sadly, this did the worst, I think, of our Rotten Tomatoes scores. It got a 69 from critics and a 71 from audience. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not how sure that's why. Possible. Yeah, that, that seems really low. That's terrible. And unlike the other ones, this is the one that takes the most departure from the original source mm-hmm. material. It's the most in, original for in sure. names and the story beats are there. The same kind yeah, of information yeah, yeah. comes across, but they change characters. They layer a story on top and around it in the television business that I think is very interesting, mm-hmm. particularly fun to me. And they even map that television stuff onto the story in ways. Remember the, yeah. the ghost of Christmas yet to come has a screen with bars yeah, and static cool. on his right. face. Very cool. Little things like that. And it's just, I mean, Bill Murray as Frank Cross, he's not even Ebenezer Scrooge. He is Ebenezer Scrooge, but he's yeah, not he is, in but by not. name. Right. Bill Murray here. I mean, maybe the only reason somebody could not like this is if they didn't like Bill Murray, but if those you have people a predisposition can, to hating him, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But there's a good movie around there, even if you don't like his style of humor. It's so yeah. much good stuff to like about it. And I want to point out, too, this is the only film that I know of that stars all four of the acting Murray brothers. And (laughs) I think it was because this movie meant a lot to him. And it was at a era of his career where he could demand these kind of things. I'm putting my brother in this role. I don't care what you guys say. Yeah, they did a great job, too. They did, right? His father, that character in that scene in the past, the brother that played his father was perfect i thought yeah. that was mm-hmm. really well done so oh, for sure they made changes that you still get the feel of it. he was scrooge like he wasn't after money right he was after power power yeah instead mm-hmm. yeah but it, but it played right, he wanted well. to dominate the ratings he wanted yeah, he to be wanted to get the, the ratings. big power he wanted, executive he wanted the accolades that's the stuff he was looking for not the gold coins and stuff he like even that. says something that's a direct in opposition to every other scrooge What's he that? says at the very beginning of the movie i love christmas i'm the biggest fan of christmas because oh. people stay home and watch my tv show right <laughs> he likes <laughs> it because him, it right? serves it's his all needs him. right right he right. wants the power of course actually when i rewatched it, i forgot that karen allen was in it yeah karen allen yeah marion from indiana jones yeah, yeah, she's the love interest. She's the primary. She's the catalyst that helps to change his heart. Now, of course, right. the ghosts provide a lot of that, too. But she's the the anchor that brings mm-hmm. him back into the real world and the reason why he kind of changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in a lot of the other stories, it's more about Tiny Tim right. mm-hmm. than it is his former love interest. Now, in some of the other stories, it's his sister that he loves. Not in that way, obviously, but right, it's right, right. his sister that he cares a lot for. But Tiny Tim is usually the focal point of his emotional like, right. anchor that holds him in place. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. I think her being in this story, I, there wasn't even a character really like that, was there, in the other ones? Yeah, there was a love interest in the past, but not, not oh, to but, that But depth, long though. past. It was just right. a regret that you knew about, but no one that still existed in the present. Right. Yeah. That's the one thing I'd love, too, is like I thought all the characters were had more layers than all the other adaptations. 
Bill Murray's character had a lot of layers to it. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And you kind of oh, saw yeah. how he became that person. This was a modern film and comedy with a Christmas carol vigorously mapped on top of it. Right. It, it could have been a great <laughs> film on its own without yeah, the right. Christmas carol, right? Well, and a story within a story because his exactly. TV is putting mm -hmm. on Scrooge live <laughs> around the world, Bethlehem, New York, Los Angeles. I've got to call out, we talk, talk about who plays Scrooge in each, each of these. You know, it was Scrooge McDuck or it was Michael Caine. So in this one, obviously, Bill Murray is Scrooge in the movie we're watching, but the Scrooge they picked for their live worldwide production yeah. was Buddy Hackett to play Scrooge. <laughs> of all people. It's, it's, I thought that was wonderful anti-casting to show just how yeah. ridiculous this production oh, was, man. along with the dancers and well, everything. They were just going after names, right? Mary Lou Retton was Tiny Tim. I mean, come on. Right. They were just going for yeah, the- stupid. You know. Right. That was what you would expect an 80s TV exec yeah, to come Oh yeah, who Kids can we get? Kids love gymnasts, so we're going to put Mary Lou Retton in this, and she's not going to just say the line. She's going to do a somersault to a backflip into one of these things. Yep. <laughs> right, and the story within a story did have the Dickens narrator, John Houseman right. they had as yeah. the damn narrator. Oh, who John Forsythe as the boss, and uh, Robert Mitchum showed up. This was like a who's who of celebrities from like the last generation of film. And like all the B and B plus celebrities that were in films around that time or right. comedies, especially what a great it's collection. Also the of only people. one with a female Bob Cratchit. Oh, oh yes, yeah. that's right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. His, his secretary. Assistant, yeah. She, yeah. she's his Cratchit secretary. Character. She's assistant. She's the female Bob Cratchit. She lives poor. Her whole family's all in one house. He mm -hmm. gives her yep. a towel for her Christmas yeah. present. That's her bonus. Cause he <laughs> gives her towel. a hand cloth with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was actually John Houseman's last role. And you're right. He too. passed away shortly at shortly before yeah, sure, this before Released, I think. Yeah, before yeah. it was released. Yeah. So, but hey, if you got to go, that's, that's not a bad movie to go out on, in my opinion. So. You know, this is also <laughs> the only adaptation that stars the Six Million Dollar Man. I think that's important. Oh, to point oh out. my God. <laughs> I wondered when that was going to come up. Yeah, the beginning of that. The great thing about this movie, when that starts, you don't know that you're watching yeah. a Scrooge story. Right. Yeah. You, you just What's going on at Santa's workshop and stuff's There's going on? And then rockets and start coming in. What was the name of the movie? And, the, uh, what was the name of the night um, the reindeer died? The night the reindeer, the reindeer died. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Majors, you've been a very good boy this year. <laughs> and then I love at the end how it brings you into the world that you're really about to watch, presented this year by IBC. Right. And yep. then it's then there's another commercial right after that about Robert Goulet in the swamp and he's paddling <laughs> yeah, the, the boat scene. <laughs> and he looks right. back at the alligator. He's like, holy shit, they've got a real alligator here. <laughs> there's some great tongue-in-cheek moments in this film. I think yeah. we really kind of ought to talk about some of the major characters. So mm -hmm. Bobcat Goldthwait. Wonderful in here. He's one of those B-plus characters I was talking uh -huh. about. He's yeah. in all the comedies. Oh, yeah. But he's not Bob Cratchit. Mm -hmm. He's not really anything. That He's a totally original He's character. A to yeah. yeah. But you care about him so much because they oh. sprinkle his appearances throughout the movie. He gets fired right away because he questions, you know, right. Bill Murray's decision mm -hmm. about the commercial. Yep. Christmas Eve. <laughs> they kick him out. He's drinking his wife or girlfriend because they, they mess that up. I don't know if you noticed in the movie. At one point, he's talking to himself saying, I wonder if my girlfriend's going to be okay with this. And then later on when he's talking to Murray, he says, my wife threw me out. Right. So I oh, think I some okay. well, maybe he has a wife and girlfriend. You don't know. He oh, might have both. both. Yeah. He might have got kicked out of both houses. <laughs> maybe that's why he got kicked out. He's always got that little <laughs> shtick where he's constantly trying to drink and his everything keeps messing up right. It's right. knocked out of his hand. hand. So he's having a really wrong. bad day. <laughs> yeah. He is. Oh, and he has some of the best lines too. Oh, when he comes God, back with a shotgun, he's like, honey, I'm home. He does the Bugs Bunny thing. 
hello, Wabbit, because he's got yeah. the shotgun. He's like, can I get a ready start? He's like, sure. One Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the nine to five scene where Dolly Parton's chasing down Dabney Coleman, right? It's a very similar. Yeah. Yes, it is just like that. Scene. It feels like the shot like that edited like that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The character is called Louder Milk, I think is his name. And at some point yep. after the Bill Murray character turns, he calls him the Milkman. Come on the with milk- me, Milkman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and I are going to do this together. That's right. Casting of the ghosts mm-hmm. in these different adaptations, I think, is very important because you know what you're yeah. supposed to get with Scrooge. You know what you're supposed to get with the mm-hmm. Bob Cratchit character. The ghosts are pretty dry. They're just observers and people who take oh, so you in the other the versions, you mean? In the, well, just in the story in general. Not, yeah, you yes, know. yes, yes. As you're saying. But mm-hmm. in this one, there's no doubt in my <sighs> mind that they took the ghost casting up a notch. John mentioned oh, yeah. the ghost of Christmas future with the TV screen and mm-hmm. the body with yep. the little creatures inside it. But yep. the two actors who played past and present, David <laughs> Johansson and Carol Kane, oh. holy shit. Oh my God, yep. are they awesome. David Johansson, who Mo will probably tell all the young listeners to go to hell if they don't know this. <laughs> no, I just I just know that they're smarter than what you think. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, he was himself. also a singer, and he went yeah. by the stage name of Buster Poindexter yeah. at the time. He had the mm-hmm. It's Hot, Hot, Hot song. Yeah, that one song, yeah. He does such a great job in this movie. I always wondered, why did we only see him in two or three films in the 80s? He was in yeah. this one. He was in another one about a uh, racetrack gambler guy. Uh, he was in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. But he's so ride. good. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that he showed up outside of the Scrooge world. He showed up to give Karen Allen a ride in the cab, yeah. I think, right? He yeah, pulls he up in yeah. your ride. Yeah. What floor? Yeah. She's like, can you get me there in three minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what floor? And Carol Kane as Ghost Christmas present to me was one of the funniest parts of this movie. Oh, Because he's like stubborn. She's like, I'm going to beat you as a submission. Just beat the living crap to. out of him. <laughs> yeah. She is an awesome sadist. And that's a, it's a great allegory for what that character is trying to do to Scrooge, mm-hmm. right? It's trying to get Scrooge to change his ways. Mm-hmm. And she just says, you know what? You're not going to listen. I'm going to get your attention by punching you in the mouth and kicking you in the nuts. <laughs> yep. And that's exactly what she does. Mm-hmm. I also love the yep. device in this one. Ghost of Christmas Past, David Johansson, he's a cabbie mm-hmm. and he drives yeah. a cab. And the mm-hmm. device that they use for taking him back in time is the meter of the yeah, cab. that was cool. Rolling mm-hmm. back the years of his life. Like a little DeLorean meter on there. Exactly. Yeah. That was I very cool, that. I thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was really neat. Well, you mentioned the Ghost of Christmas Future, the big cloaked yeah. mm-hmm. character that had the screen for a face. That was also something I I noted when I watched the film is how great practical effects were in this older film before CG was absolutely huge. He opens up his cloak and there's all those, uh, admittedly, if you pause it, dopey little rubber puppets inside of it, but they're they're creepy and and cool and awesome. shaking with a stick or something. The best practical (laughs) effect I thought was the makeup work done on John Forsyth when he was playing the the, the dead boss. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. With his golf golf bag. That was great. (laughs) And the golf ball out of the back of the skull with the mouse. Oh, yeah. With the the mouse. mouse? Yeah. And he's all like, kind of like, he's been in the grave for a while and he's all kind of flaking off. His eyes. He takes off his glasses. His eyes are rotted out. And that mouse is another meta reference. Because later on in the film, the president says, wasn't there a dormouse in Scrooge? You know, I always thought there should be. Yeah. And then there's a the mouse coming out of the guy's head in the real Scrooge yeah, story well, that yeah. we're supposed to be watching. Right. right. And they want him to staple the antlers to the mouse too, right? right. <laughs> Who has the cojones to do that? Uh, <laughs> that's right. 
they took the ghost like everything else like everything had layers to it you know the mm-hmm. ghosts had layers to it the characters had layers you know they all weren't just like very one-dimensional which i think the original story basically had them mm-hmm. and uh we talked about the theme for uh, the muppets theme for this one was done by our old buddy danny elfman oh yeah so much stuff right from oingo boingo fame who else from 88? the 80s is gonna do this film exactly theme? who else is gonna do this you got a weird quirky comedy of course you're gonna mm-hmm. get danny elfman to do that he's the only man to do it and, yeah. and directed by action director superstar dick donner directed yeah, this donner, thing. right mm-hmm. oh, one thing they did in this one which again not in any of the stories which probably wasn't the original story which i thought was really neat was like when they do the future and he looks at basically how he corrupted his girlfriend like yeah. oh right yeah mm-hmm. well because she continues throughout the story and the other ones you don't see his love interest past right. the past you don't see right, her right. in the present but now since the karen allen character is still here he's tarnished her right. spirit and made her cold like him yeah. yeah exactly and then when he looks at the ghost he says that was a mean thing you know, yeah, just, yeah. Just, that hit i love hard. his burial scene too that's very oh. close to that scene where they're doing the whole future thing yeah yeah him mm-hmm. ending up in the coffin and yeah. burning and everything i thought that was really poignant i thought that was really nice that yeah. was a scene that right. almost that brought a tear to my eye yeah that was intense all the christmas carol adaptations he finishes up his spirit journey by something around his grave he falls right, into right. the grave mm-hmm. or he sees the tombstone but yeah. in this one yeah he's inside being cremated yeah. right which is by the way you don't cremate a really nice casket like that that's okay creative license but, <laughs> but yeah he was he was inside of it he's banging on the on the lid and then he's out he's okay yeah because he's banging and it's the elevator doors they open up and he's yeah, there with right. elliot Loudermilk, and, and he's he like falls out there and so and yeah, are you. Going, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah exactly Let's go, milkman we're doing this together <laughs> hey okay here's a little known fact okay this was the last performance by the solid gold dancers i knew it was a solid gold dancers i had no idea it was the last performance <laughs> it was, their last performance. <laughs> it was the only nipple slip performance well, the funniest bit toward the, the beginning there was you can she can't wear this you can see That's her nipples and the, and the two stagehands are there and go, they can't see them. And they're really looking. <laughs> and I think the way this movie ended was one of my favorite Christmas Carol endings of all time. The fact that he's on the stage live to the world. Yeah. He brings Karen Allen out there. Oh, it's like boat, boat in a Marlin and, yeah. you know, whole world, Claire, Claire, whole world. And yeah, he starts the song. And that song mm-hmm. was so infectious during that era. It, everybody was listening to it. Annie Lennox and... Al Green, which totally threw me. I thought it was Aretha Franklin when I was rewatching this, but... It's just such a beautiful moment. It's one of those scenes where, you know, Ferris Bueller had recently come out and did the whole after credits talking to the audience thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing that same thing here. Let me hear from the real men. Let me hear from yeah. the women, the left <laughs> yeah. side of the audience. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just made me, that's the scene that I tear up in every time in this movie, because at that point, it makes me want to be a better person when he's going yeah. through that part. Well, actually, the part that hit me the hardest is when he sees the frozen homeless guy that he didn't get money to that's tough yeah yeah mm-hmm. i thought bill murray i think that's one of his best acting scenes just that little segment, he's in yeah. there because you can see he's like angry and he's hurt you know and he's yelling at this body he's like yo why didn't you do this you know she would have yep. helped you and you know that scene itself i was like oh my god that's just like yep. it just goes to add the little more gravitas to what is a ostensibly a comedy but yeah. it's yeah, yeah. serious 
serious and there are stakes. And so it proves to him, it really drives home. It's not just about what I do. It's what I do and how it impacts others. And that's mm-hmm. the Christmas Carol story, ultimately. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You said, George, redemption and understanding how you relate to the world and how much you can do that can help other people that isn't that big of a drain on you if you just open up your heart to it. And that's really what yeah. they're getting across. And it does it in all four of these, especially in this one. Mm-hmm. So I've got an odd question for the two of you. Okay, I'm ready. So Lay it on me. these stories are all about Scrooge. Bob Cratchit maybe mm-hmm. is a secondary character, but mostly about Scrooge, Scrooge and his redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could ask you who's the best Scrooge out of the four, but there's no point in that because we know it's Bill Murray. Regardless, <laughs> I think it's Maybe interesting so. to talk about some of the sub characters. And I'm wondering who do you guys think is the best set of ghosts from the four adaptations oh. that we talked about today? I, I, to me, it's easy. That's Scrooge. I mean, they did such a great job with it, in my opinion. They, they had multi layers. They were original, but they were still in the spirit of the original, no pun intended, of the original <laughs> ghosts. Uh, what do you think, John? You know, I think Scrooge is a close second for me, but... Okay. And it's not just because they're puppets, but I really think the Muppet Christmas Carol, (laughs) I really liked the Muppets in these roles. And I I think it's because of how they use the different kinds of Muppet characters from the different Muppet universes. And puppetry is a creative process and seeing how they chose which either characters to use like Statler and Waldorf or which styles of puppets like, oh, this one's going to be a full body puppet or this is going to mm-hmm. be the Dark Crystal, like we said. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And not the performance. I think the performances probably are definitely better in Scrooge, but my favorite puppets, oh, my, my, so I'd say puppets again, my favorite <laughs> ghosts from any of these Christmas Carol adaptations is probably the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. George, what about you? Your question? I think we probably I know think your answer. the obvious answer, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, yeah. but uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, there's a juxtaposition that happens with the Ghost of Christmas Present in this film that doesn't happen in the other films. Traditionally, Ghost of Christmas Present is always a bigger character or a giant. Mm-hmm. However, in this movie, we get the smallest actor out of all of them, yeah. Carol Kane. <laughs> mm-hmm. As yep. the ghost of Christmas present. And I think she delivers on the role in such a way that I think a lot of people are going to have a harder time remembering the puppet from the Muppet Christmas Carol versus Carol Kane from Scrooge. Mm-hmm. True. Then I you've got you David Johansson. I think his character <laughs> is mostly about your history and your history of regret specifically. And what's more regrettable than a falling down drunk cigar smoking cabbie in New York City? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and He's then, a standout for sure. You have the ghost of future, which is always supposed to be the silent, deathly figure mm-hmm. of the four films. I still think that this ghost of Christmas future, and there were two of them in this one, by the way, there was the one in the interior story and the one in the story we were watching. Mm-hmm. Right. right, right. <laughs> I think the ghost of Christmas future in this frightened me more than the ghost of Christmas futures in any of the other three adaptations we watched. So that's mm-hmm. why I think this set of ghosts yeah, is I see the that. best. I mean, I definitely yeah. think the ghost of future Christmas or top of before, like with that TV screen and like, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you see him like when he's pointing, you see the screen is showing him pointing and Bill Murray walking down. You know, I just thought that was just such a cool device that they picked on that. Whoever came up with that idea. And in Scrooge, there's a lot of puppetry going on in the, in the ghost of Christmas. There future, so that's cool too. There's, there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so you got that going for you. He's a puppet too. Yeah. I'll give you your puppets. If you go yeah. with Thank my you. Host. There you go. <laughs> Not that. That's why it's a close second. It's earned it. Okay. It had a puppet. <laughs> yep. Hey, so as we wind up this backtrack, looking back at adaptations of A Christmas Carol, it is 
it just really goes to show you this is a story that it's timeless because you see how easily it can be mapped to all these yeah. different genres or attitudes or for kids or for adults or as a straight up comedy. It's just a good redemption story that you can weave in any, any kind of thing. And it's certainly one that impacted us growing up as Gen Xers, just as it did generations before us. And no doubt those going forward. Yeah, for sure. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Gen X Grown Up Backtrack. We're going to be back in two weeks with another backtrack, of course, but next week is a regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here, man. Yes, sir. Mo, you know, I appreciate you. Oh, Merry Christmas, man. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you and all of our fourth listeners. We will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. The uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Is that the no? Is it who's the yeah, fairy like one? That. That's fairy oh, is past. The, oh, past. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm gonna do this one, not you. <laughs> I don't okay. fuck with you. No. I think I'll see a fight through the screen here. No, I just, just fuck with you because I knew I he just, wanted it so bad. I just hang up. That's all. No fight. Um. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.